Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside... Connor Baltazor. And today, we will be recapping the Cats' dominant victory over the Texas Christian Horned Frogs. And let's just, let's not dance around it. Let's get right into the episode. K-State won 31-12, allowing only one touchdown, and that was in garbage time. So, yeah, you could say it was a pretty dominant performance all around. Yeah, I think that's to put it lightly. This is probably the single best game that I think K-State has played this whole year. Maybe Stanford, but I think offensively they were more sound than Mm -hmm. they were against Stanford. Just everything just seemed to be clicking today, I think. Uh, Just wire-to-wire, a very good performance. Yeah. So let's get into the general game recap. And normally we have one thing on the top that just transcends our normal, you know, let's talk about the offense and then let's talk about the defense. Anyone who watched or even heard about the game knows what the on-top thing is going to be. And that is King Felix. Because seriously, how ridiculous was the performance by King Felix? (laughs) There's not really a way to describe it other than the stat line, just for how absolutely dominant he was. Because it ultimately, in, in truth, not not looking at the NCAA stats. Because the, they're wrong and stupid. Yeah, because they're stupid and wrong. The actual stats, what actually happened, was he had six sacks and 36 snaps on the field. So he was not even playing the most. Like He, he could have been playing a lot more than he was, but he was averaging a sack every six snaps was what was happening. And he had two forced fumbles as well, as well as uh, two more tackles, I believe. So just one of the best single game performances that I can remember, at least in my lifetime. I think it's one of the most elite performances in K-State history. Like we were talking about last week during our recap of the Texas Tech game that Felix was starting to wander into the territory of could he be an all-time great at K-State. And we were kind of... he does this. Yeah, we were like, you know, he's starting to approach that. He just stormed through through that this week. Because I know the NCAA corrected it, but their ruling is stupid and wrong. And therefore I will be ignoring it. Yeah, because their whole deal was that two of the sacks were strip sacks, and since the ball passed the line of scrimmage, even though we recovered it, that they don't call it a sack, even though it is, because they're like technically positive yards were gained for TCU, but there was no ball carrier. So I think, I don't know, it's just a silly rule that does nothing, I think. So we're just going to, for our purposes, he had six sacks and two forced fumbles. Yeah. The NCAA can say whatever they want. I don't particularly care. So, yeah. by our standards, Felix broke the single-season sack record for K-State. And going into the game yesterday, he was not even the top 10 for single-season sacks at K-State. He had six, and he doubled his sack total yesterday. Yeah, and now holds the record. And he now holds the record. Uh, He tied the NCAA record for sacks in a game. He broke the K-State record and, I believe, the Big 12 record as well for it. So. And this was against a good offensive line. I don't know why people suddenly decided that the TCU offensive line was bad. They're not. They are absolutely not bad. That that was a very good offensive line. They 
obviously they're uh, uh, right tackle, right tackle, Coker. Coker. Uh, Coker, he's the superior tackle. He's NFL quality for sure. But that doesn't mean their left tackle is bad. In fact, quite the opposite. Their left tackle is actually quite good. So yeah, mm-hmm. like I, they allowed eight total sacks over their pre all of their previous games. It's just that Felix is that good. Yeah, this was certainly an aberration, especially the last two weeks because they didn't play great against TCU, but. The last couple West games. Virginia. West Virginia. They are TCU. They didn't play good against West Virginia. They scrimmaged and failed. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they were not good the last couple of weeks. And, but that doesn't mean that they're a bad unit. I think that means that just TCU's been, and oh, they've been in a tailspin the last few weeks because I think the coaching staff knows the writing is on the wall, especially after uh, the game against K-State uh, this past weekend. I think Gary Patterson, unless they went out, I think he knows it's time. And even then, he may be done regardless. Yeah. And we'll actually flip the order of the outline here. We'll switch, We'll take a switch two and three. Yeah, TCU, the, as much as we want to come in and say that TCU was like this top-tier Big 12 school, they're, they're really dysfunctional right now. And... I'm not saying put an asterisk next to this victory because of it, but, man. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not a lack of talent on TCU's part. It's quite the opposite. I think TCU's a very talented team uh, athletically, but there's just a massive disconnect between TCU and their coaching staff, and that's been brewing for a few years now, and it's really reaching a tipping point right now because – the issues in the locker room are really starting to boil over into their on-field performance because at this point it isn't just results, it's also effort. And you can tell that the players are not inspired and the coaches just aren't able to reach them, at least in some way. And which is unfortunate to see because I really like Gary Patterson as a coach. But I think the game has passed him at this point. And I think that pretty much everybody's aware of that at this point, at least in TCU circles. I know as a K-State fan, it's very obvious uh, the position that they're in. And I, at this point, it's definitely not controversial to say that TCU will be looking for a new head coach at this offseason, I think. Yeah. I, I would be absolutely shocked if Gary Patterson sticks around for another year. I think Patterson is politely asked to retire. I, I think he's going to get that treatment. Uh, he'll transition into some weird athletics ambassador role where he gets way more money than he should as he very quietly like rides into the sunset but all by his lonesome as opposed to in a blaze of glory yeah. so <clears throat> and speaking of that the arguably the biggest moment that TCU showed life was when they decided that they were going to try and start a fight which you know it takes two to tango, so yes, K-State did participate in the fight. However, the one issue that I will take is with the ejection of Tyrone Howell, because he was very clearly defending himself when he was basically getting jumped. So, yeah, take that for what you will. Yeah, uh, Tyrone getting ejected, I get the rule is if you throw a punch, you're going to get ejected. I get that, and it's not that he doesn't know that. But it, it is also a little silly in the position that he was in uh, where he gets blindsided by a punch. Like, literally somebody just behind him punches him, knocks him to the ground, and 
I mean, what's he supposed to do? Just let them continue to punch him? Like, of course, we, we're, not con- we're not arguing that, you know, the rule isn't what it is. The rule is if you throw a punch, you get ejected, no questions asked. Like, but with context, I can't be mad at Tyrone at all. In fact, I'm actually, I, I, I think he made the right choice. Uh, he went over, he backed up his teammate after a late hit on Skylar Thompson out of bounds. Uh, the whole offensive line is over there. And uh, Coach True was over there. Coach, I thought, the I thought strength Coach True was going to try and hit a flying cross body. Yeah, but this play, uh, when it happened, it reminded me of a play from Bill Snyder's last year in 2018. We were on the road at OU. Uh, Skyler was uh, at QB, and we were just getting absolutely destroyed by the Kyler Murray OU Sooners. And uh, Skyler uh, scrambled out the pocket and got hit, laid out of bounds, and went uncalled. He got knocked deep into the OU sideline, and only one offensive lineman went to go back him up, and everyone else just kind of watched, like, uninspired from the distance. And it was really depressing. That was kind of the moment when I knew it was over, was just nobody cared. And it was the exact opposite yesterday. The It's new, like, the entire offensive unit went over to go back up Skyler after got hit out of bounds. And basically, exact same scenario. Yeah, and the coaches had to form a wall to keep the entire sideline from yep. coming out. Yeah, I saw, and there, you know, there was like other players holding back other players. Like I saw, I think it was uh, um, Desmond Purnell uh, on the highlight, uh, the true freshman safety. He was holding back a uh, Drama McPherson, uh, who as the senior, he's not a, is he captain? Yes. Yeah, yeah, senior captain at uh, safety. So that was interesting to see. That's, something, that's definitely something that will endear him to the coaches going forward. Yeah. Uh, freshman having the guts to, uh, hold back a senior and but yeah that was one of the larger events from the game yesterday and it was really it was one of the few if not the only moments that TCU seemed to care th- where they were at and it, you know you could kind of even tell early because the student section they always boo the other team when they come in and most teams like like opposing teams they're like jawing with the student section or like like you know like jokingly raising their hands up and down TCU just didn't really care except for 58 we had fun with 58 yeah number, yeah, number 58 we had some fun with him he's cool i like him yeah we, yeah, we like him but <laughs> the rest of them they just were completely indifferent there was no passion at all on the sideline like when anything good happened when anything bad happened it it just it's a dead team walking basically is what's going on here there's a lot of guys that probably are going to transfer at the end of the year or guys that know the season's lost they know the coaches are gone you know it it was really odd to see, to be on the other side of it, because I have seen KSA teams like that before, and it sucked. Yeah. But So it was interesting to see from the other side. Yeah. But let's move past that. Let's get into the offensive numbers. Skyler was 13 for 21, throwing for 242 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. That interception was really bad, but also from the angle we got, maybe shouldn't have been an interception, but it doesn't matter. That's not... That's a throw he should be able to make. I just wish he wasn't trying to because yeah. it's next to impossible to make. Yeah, he was scrambling to his left, so his weak side. He was on the run being chased. He probably should just throw that ball out of bounds because that's like a 30-yard throw, I think, from where he was at. Yeah. And it was honestly, like you said, it was a throw that he could have made if he had not even set his feet, just straightened out a little. Yeah. And like it, it was a not the... 
I've seen worse choices made, but it was not a good choice, especially at that point in the game where we were pretty firmly understanding that we were in control. Mm-hmm. And it, it was kind of an unnecessary risk that just did not pay off at all. Yeah. Although, mm-hmm. to his credit, it was really the only bad decision he made on the day that I recall off the top of my head. I might be wrong. He had a couple of really bad underthrows, but no yeah. really bad decisions. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like like the Phillip Brooks pass, like that's a touchdown easy if he hits it even close to in stride. Uh, but it's not a bad choice. That's the correct read. Yeah. Just you know, poor throw, and yeah, poor decisions though. Very 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 few for the players on offense. So yeah. And then, of course, Deuce is Deuce. 20 carries, 109 yards, two touchdowns, including one where he got up way higher than I thought he could jumping. Yeah. That that was a surprise. Yeah, he... Um, some of the uh, older K-State fans will uh, think of uh, Ayosaba uh, when, they, <laughs> when they see that. Uh, just like the flipping over the line. Uh, I... The very faint memories of Ayosaba. I was maybe five years old in his last season. <laughs> like, but I do remember just highlight videos of him. Just literally, it seemed like the only thing that he did was just go in as a goal line back and then just jump over the line, which he was very good at that. It yeah. seems he did not do much else. I could be wrong. I barely remember him, but I don't know. Just to, this is that's just what I what my mind went to when I saw it. That and also Alex Barnes to an extent. Just he seemed like he was always jumping over things when he was here. So I, I wish he stayed a final year. I really wish he would have. It would have made the running back room situation way better. <laughs> yeah. Plus he's from Pittsburgh, which is where yep. both of us are from. So yeah, plus he, yeah, he's a Pittsburgh guy, so we like him. Yeah. And then Deuce also had two catches for forty nine yards. Uh Jacardier didn't look bad. I, I still don't like the way he carries the ball. He needs to hold it a lot tighter and higher. Yeah. But he was 7 for 19. That doesn't really tell the full story. Because I believe he was tackled for a loss like twice. Yeah. That sounds about right. Here I can check the... Uh, the Sorry, set. there's a fly that's just yeah. been pestering us. Yeah. He uh, technically didn't lose any yardage, but I do remember several carries where he either got tackled for no gain or was met right at the line of scrimmage and drove forward for a couple of yards. Yeah. So it wasn't the yardage total that really spoke volumes. It was more that he was powering through arm tackles and was a powerful back, and he didn't fumble. So it was nice to see Jacardier again. We've we've been kind of joking. and <laughs> also has gone. Yeah, we've been joking and also been being a little serious that we may never see, see Jacardier again. again. But he made several appearances he had seven carries for 19 yards so and he had one pretty good carry in the fourth quarter uh nine yarder i think so pretty solid game for jacardia yep in terms of receiving numbers imatsuar bebe made his he had a really good catch in the first quarter on a corner route that yep. disappeared for the entire game then in the fourth quarter decided yeah i'm gonna do that exact same thing i did against nevada and just catch a, a ball Stiff arm the safety and then score. He was two for ninety with one touchdown, yeah. which one big play game. It seems like we were talking about this at the game, and it's Daniel Matrabebe. He will get you one big play a game probably, 
And that's about what he does. Yeah. Like, Stanford, like, granted the one big play to him against Stanford was underthrown. Uh, Nevada, he had the big play. Uh, Texas Tech, he had the big 30-yard reception. Then in TCU, he kind of had two big plays, the bailout on third down, which granted, great throw by Skyler. Yeah. On that play, but also a really good catch because he had the only place that could be thrown and not be broken up was pretty low. And Bebe is really athletic and was able to adjust to make a nice catch. And then, of course, the uh, runaway. There's not many tight ends that can make that reception on the run and then have the speed to outrun defensive backs. You're and also, me Nick Lenners doesn't make that play? I don't think Nick Lenners will ever make that play. <laughs> <laughs> with with the utmost respect to Nick Lenners because that's just not his game. But Amater Bebe, he's just so athletic and so strong that he'll outrun defensive backs most of the time, and when they do catch up, he'll just stiff-arm them, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, so Brooks was 2 for 49, including that really long pass. Malik was 3 for 21, and then Cade, Warner, and Sammy Wheeler were both 2 for 19. So, receiving, we didn't have, like, really, really big standouts. Am I wrong? Is e- or correction, is ESPN wrong? Um, no, I think Yahoo Sports is wrong, because I use Yahoo Sports for my stats, and they have Malik as 4 for 58, but I don't think that's correct. I'm trying to find out. Oh, they have Malik with the Phillip catch. Oh, okay. Which is kind of strange. So, that's just their fault. Yeah. So, that's why I was confused. I, w- I was looking back and forth a lot for a second, because I was very confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Yeah. So, receiving, not a bad day. No one really stood out, like, insanely, other than two big plays. Now let's talk about defense. Uh, King Felix had six sacks, shut up the NCAA, don't care, didn't ask. Plus ratio. Plus ratio. (laughs) Shut up, NCAA, we hate you. So, yeah, Felix, I mean, there's not, I don't know what I can say about his day to make it and sound any better than the stat line does. Other than even when he wasn't getting a sack, he was still winning basically every rep. Like, he had six sacks. He was getting held the entire game. He was. There were multiple times where he was being held, and most of the time he was fighting through it. But there were a few times where he, like, I know he got arm barred once when he was about <laughs> to get a sack, and they just, like, like put him like a half Nelson. <laughs> there was, that is one thing I guess I'll say about this game is that the officiating just bad they were really really bad majority of the game both ways like there was like a first down air quotes that deuce got uh i think in like the third quarter and i think he was short he was definitely it was it was it was at minimum worth reviewing and they just kind of didn't yeah and they were very reluctant to throw holding calls uh, the only time that they did was on a play that I didn't actually see any holding yeah. <laughs> on TCU. It worked to our advantage because they got a big first down uh, on a long throw, but they called it back. The officiating was just really weird, really inconsistent in every facet. That's like maybe my only gripe about the game was that the officiating was just atrocious, uh, but you wouldn't be able to tell that from the score. Yeah. So I'm not going to complain too much. Other than it was really annoying, so. Yeah. So, Green, Daniel Green had two and a half TFLs, and the whole defense had 12 TFLs. And something, one of our stories before the game was the matchup between Quentin Johnston and Julius Brents. Uh, Brents definitively won. 
Brent's had the best day of his K-State career by far yesterday. Yeah, he had the big pick against OU, but he shut down Quentin Johnston. Him and Gardner did. Yeah, The Gard- only catch that uh, I remember that was given up to Johnston was just Gardner getting big boyed by Johnston, which, like, yeah, okay, if you're going to get big boyed, I guess you're going to get big boyed by him. Which, like, I mean, they only have Quentin Johnston... With two catches for five yards. With granted, that's because he had a nine-yard reception, so he lost a lot of yardage on one of those plays. Yeah. So, but it was all around just great coverage. Uh, Justin Gardner is involved on there, but Julius Brents was guarding him the lion's share of the reps, and he was just absolutely lights out to take a guy uh, like Quentin Johnston, who was averaging sixty-eight yards. Uh, per game, receiving five touchdowns in seven games, averaging 18 yards of reception to hold him for, to five receiving yards. He had 185 receiving yards and three touchdowns at OU, and we held him to two receptions for just five yards. That's elite performance, and he's a perfect matchup for Julius Brents. They're about the same size. They're both very athletic. It, it was good. We were right, and that, that was going to be an interesting matchup to watch. And it was definitely something that I was keeping my eye on, at least for a while, until Felix just started dominating. I watched him every play because that was just infinitely more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, uh, kudos to Julius Brents for having a performance that gets heavily overshadowed in this game, as well as Justin Gardner. uh, Because they they were, I think him and uh, Brents and Gardner were well overshadowed, of course, by Felix and also Daniel Green who I think had the second best game of the day and literally any other day would have had the best uh, performance. So yeah. <laughs> it, as a whole, the defense was just excellent. Mm-hmm. It, it was a defense that we haven't seen for a while. So Yeah, I think this is the best our defense has looked, I'm including against Stanford. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm including those first three games. Uh, our defense did not look better at any point this year than it did today. And this is an offense, despite being uninspired, they were first in the Big 12 in many categories. So that, like, even if they're playing uninspired, they still have athletic talent. They still have good play calling. They just had an off day, which is in no small part due to our defense and our scheming, which over the last couple weeks has taken a massive step up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So now let's get into the next segment, the game day grade segment, where we take a look at every single position plus coordinators and give them a grade from a scale of F, meaning they single-handedly lost us the game or came very close, or A+, plus, where basically they single-handedly won us the game. So let's start with the position that everyone watches, and that is the quarterback, Skylar Thompson. So aside from the really bad throw on that third down, plus him taking a really bad sack on a second and, like, three, or second and two, or something like that. Yeah, which I think that ended up working out in our favor. I think we converted that. Yeah, I think that was the Bebe. Um, yeah, it was, because that was right before uh, the end of the third quarter, and then the next play, it was, like, a like 73-yard touchdown, so. Yeah, we, we may be getting timelines wrong, but. Yeah, I, that may be totally wrong. Yeah, but. Other than that, he had a fine day, other than a f- that really bad underthrow in those two decisions. But he also didn't do anything to where you say, okay, that's like a really, really good performance. 
So in my mind, he gets a B plus because he didn't make many mistakes, but he didn't do insanely well. I went with an A minus this week, just because uh, I don't know. Just watching him, he was very comfortable, and the offense just save for that one series where we called two timeouts in a row uh, in the first quarter, I think it was, or maybe the second. It was the first. Yeah, it was. The offense was just in sync all day. Uh, he made a lot of very nice reads. Uh, he had some clutch scrambling. Uh, the I think it was the Philip Brooks pass was set up by a scramble by Skyler. I again maybe getting the timelines mixed up, but it was like a third and like eighteen, and he had like a twenty-six yard run, which like I think so, yeah, yeah, and I pretty sure that set up a scoring drive as i recall again probably getting my wires crossed here somewhere yeah but he had a pretty solid day running the ball he had the rushing touchdown on the first possession and then he had 242 passing yards so not quite what we predicted he would get in terms of yardage but actually pretty close yeah and yeah he did have the one uh poor decision but he made a lot of really nice throws. The throw to Bebe, the throw to Malik that he made on, along the sideline. That's an underrated play, uh, I think, yesterday. Um, the throw to Bebe, that was a pocket that was actually really quickly collapsing mm-hmm. on the highlight. And he uh, just popped up immediately from the play action and made the throw right on the money. It was a really mature play by Skyler. He gets an A-. minus. Yeah. So. I don't feel like there's going to be much issue with the running back roots here. Deuce is deuce. Jacardier did what he had to, and I'm going to give him an A. Yeah. I I went with A-plus just for the two touchdowns from Deuce and the reception that set up the touchdown for Skyler from Deuce. Uh, Jacardier also was good, um, but A-plus just because of... I, I put a lot of value in the touchdowns uh, for these grades generally, unless you just go crazy on the yardage, but just the yeah, because Deuce directly had the uh, two touchdowns, set up a third, and he was once again just invaluable. Uh, that one throw um, from Skyler to set up the touchdown, if he lofts it over the safety instead of uh, darting it uh, behind the safety, which is also still a good choice. That way it's out of the safety's reach. It's probably a touchdown if it's lofted, but I get not wanting to loft it to a five foot five running back. Yeah. In, in center field. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't blame him for that. But Deuce was, he was excellent again. Uh, back more towards how he was uh, producing the beginning of the year uh, with 109 rushing yards. Producing. On, yes, I was hoping he wouldn't say anything. <laughs> but, but he had 109 rushing yards on 20 carries, two touchdowns, average 5.5 per rush. And then he had the two catches for 49 yards with the 40-yarder uh, early in the game. So A-plus for me, almost exclusively for Deuce. And then also I was happy to see Jacardier not do terrible. So, job, Jacardier. So wide receivers, this is actually like a really difficult group to evaluate because what they did was fine, but at the same time, you're kind of left wanting more from them because the, the big plays that you were not on the receivers other than the one Philip Brooks catch. You want more than one really big play from your receivers. And I guess you could count the throw to Cade 
That's that third. I kind of count it just because it was really cool. But yeah. like, when he like uh, muscled the guy off, or you talking about the other catch that he made? I'm talking about the muscle catch. Okay, yeah, uh, the one where he just threw the guy off him and just drug him for like ten yards. Like I did not know that Cade had that. <laughs> I didn't either, but Cade's apparently really good. Yeah, he. No one told us. Yeah, he has secretly become a very good wide receiver in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Like, he's been doing some really good stuff. Yeah. So honestly, I, as much as I would like to give them higher, I I just didn't see enough from them. And again, that could just be because you know two forty two, ninety yards goes to a tight end. It it just. And 49 is to a running back, so that doesn't leave a lot of room for the wide receivers to really feast. I'm honestly going to give them a B, and that's like a heavy-hearted B that I don't really want to give them. I want to give them higher, but just... I also grappled with this. I originally gave them an A-, uh, but I also ended up giving them a B. And I... For very similar reasons, because it wasn't because they had a bad day, they had a quite good day. Malik had a solid catch. Phillip had the big splash play. Cade had the play. Uh, he had he had like the one that makes everyone go ooh, like like you know the one I'm talking about. The the play where he just took the TCU defender and just threw him off him, and, and then had to bring thought down by his face mask. Yeah, and it was literally just Knowles, Cade Warner, and Philip Brooks from the receiving room uh, that made the uh, receptions yesterday. Uh, Landry had a drop, I believe. Uh, Tyrone also had a drop, but that's understandable. Because he got detonated. Yeah, because he got, he got absolutely blown up when he went for that reception. Landry was just absolutely blanket covered. Uh, I'm not too upset about that. And Seabass, at some point, I believe he... Got in the game. Yeah, he was in there, I remember. Uh, and then we we almost technically had RJ Garcia snaps. Uh, but, almost until yeah. two penalties happen yeah yeah he was in on two snaps and there were two penalties on those plays so they didn't end up counting as snaps Good for job, rj RJ. <laughs> now, rj was he was out there but this maybe that ends up being good uh for the future because malik and philip uh did get banged up near the end of the game and didn't return so maybe him not burning the red shirt in this game ends up being advantageous uh as we go down the stretch yeah. Um, as and also as we determine the severity, but you know they were still good. The receivers they made uh, clean plays, had a clean game, didn't really do much wrong. Uh, just wanted, to, like you said, a little more. But I I'm not complaining at all because the slack was picked up literally everywhere else. So yeah. the result it wasn't a lack of their effort. It was more the offense was just designed to revolve around a few other position groups today, and it worked very well. So, yeah, not upset. For tight ends and fullbacks, the plays that you're going to think of are the two baby catches. Nope, the cough's not coming back, I swear. Um, are the two baby catches. And then, I guess Sammy got involved in two plays. I don't remember uh, the Sammy plays. He, um, the one I do remember was a check down, kind of. Uh, it was... It was a check down, but like five yards past the line of scrimmage. Like it was like one of those Landry routes, except he just didn't go as far. <laughs> I like how we call Landry route. I like how we call it the Landry route when it's just send everyone deep, but Landry's just not quite fast enough to like do that. So they just have him run a comeback instead, yeah, and he's just, just like, and he's just absolutely wide open. Just sit down somewhere. Yeah, that's that's what Sammy did, and he had like a fifteen yard gain. Uh, it was 
a, a nice play, got a first down off of it. So he, he had an effective contribution. Yeah. If, if small. Yeah. But either way, you'd like to see a bit more consistency out of them in the receiving game. And in the blocking game, they were okay. So to me, they get a, a B- minus because we, we did still see a minor contributions by Jax and Ben Sinnott, whose Sinnott has come out of nowhere to just yeah. be a really big contributor. Yeah, Sinnott has been getting way more snaps than I ever thought he would get, especially considering that Ben Sinnott, I believe, is a walk-on uh, H-back, although he, he's, he's, a, he's listed as a fullback on the depth chart, but he's honestly closer to a tight end in build, but he ultimately just fills the H-back role because he's 6'4", 245. Like that, that screams tight end, but he's playing the Jacks role, but he's also doing his own thing at times. Yeah. Ben Sinnott also to get a carry early on in this game yeah, for two was... yards, which that alone bumps up the grade because I just <laughs> think that's awesome. Like, yeah, I gave him a B minus. Yeah. Fullback, fullback runs at any point, even if they're unsuccessful, if you try it, I. I applaud you. <laughs> like, so do you really enjoy watching like Air Force, Army, and Navy? Because they all run fullback runs like half the time? No. I, I don't care about That's them. different? It's different because it's expected. Okay. Like For me, it's like when, you know, an offense that isn't from the 1800s does it. <laughs> like, because they, it, it's unexpected and you're like, oh, okay. Like, it's like, if... I don't know. It's, it's it's the same thing in a spread offense as when an army offense uh, throws a pass. So, oh, okay. Yeah, that's like, fair. Like, like, you get what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, the triple option. Oh, they're being nice to the receivers. They're throwing them a bone. It's like the same thing, except it's with fullbacks and a one spread. One catch, one catch, one catch. Exactly right. Like, like that's exactly what it is. But tight ends, uh, Bebe had the big touchdown to really pull K-State away there at the end. I mean, the game was... We, we knew we were going to win at yeah. the point. I said we were going to win on the first offensive play, yeah. <laughs> which was like a, a screen to <laughs> Phillip Brooks. I had absolutely no basis for it in that moment, but... I, we are winning. I mean, yeah, I was. I guess I was right, but <laughs> it was stupid. It was stupid. <laughs> yeah, Wheeler was good. Bebe was good. Sinnott had the carry. That bumps them up. I give them an A- minus just because I couldn't think of a reason to give them anything worse, especially yeah. just because Bebe... I had the big touchdown. And yeah. that was fun. So. so here's a surprisingly low spot, which none of us expected. It's the offensive line. Um, you know, BB was not quite what we're used to. Like he got beat a few times, but he wasn't bad. Uh, Revis had a couple of what are you doing moments. Uh, Noah Johnson. And then uh, Ben Adler had a couple moments and then Duffy we we got to talk about Duffy Duffy is not having a good year Duffy Mm -hmm. like he's just not figuring it out yeah and defenses are figuring that out yeah which is becoming the issue and that's why O'Shawn Mathis lined up on Duffy every single time and it's not like a TCU moment where it's like they have two good tackles it's no we have one good tackle or one, I should say one great tackle and then we have uh, Duffy who is a good run blocker like he's actually a very good run blocker I would say but pass blocking he just seems lost a lot of the times he occasionally has good reps I mean 
like everyone he, knows. Yeah, he's not an he's not awful. There are worse tackles in this conference than Christian Duffy. There are a lot of worse tackles in this conference both, than Christian Duffy. Yeah, both the Texas Tech's tackles. tackles are worse than Christian Duffy, which is I mean, he's better than every offensive lineman on Texas Tech. Like true. Like which granted that's a that's not a high bar to clear. But Duffy, he has not had the best year, especially after last year when he was solidly the best tackle we had, mm-hmm. I would say, until we kicked BB out. Uh, but and, but Duffy, maybe that was just because we were seeing uh, Katori Leviston out at left tackle, and that may have influenced our view of yeah. Christian Duffy because KT, uh, pretty solid guard, uh, not, a good not a good tackle. But yeah, back back to a year grade. I kind of hijacked that. It's okay. I gave him a B because BB wasn't as good and didn't carry the rankings like he normally does. Revis was fine. Noah Johnson had. I Noah Johnson is almost single handedly responsible for the safety that occurred. Yeah. Because he got pushed three yards back in like half a second, which should not happen. Yeah. Um, then he also had. You know, the one play that he's really good at, pulling out on sweeps and then decimating the kneecaps of people, he missed that four times. He abs- There was one in particular that I remember we both looked at the replay and we were just like, oh, Noah. And because he pulled and he had someone just lined up and he just whiffed on them. And what would have been a probably eight-yard gain at least turns into a three-yard loss. And... Which that's just the margin of error in football, and you're not going to get all of them. But you know, Noah's just—he's making more and more head-scratching plays. It seems as the year goes on, uh, he just seems to be missing more and more. Uh, he's a far cry from the taking out two people on the pole <laughs> against really OU, funny. which that was at the best play of his career. Like, like, like to be to be fair to him, like he—that was an excellent play by Noah. But he did not have a great performance yesterday. No. So, yeah, I gave him a B. What did you give him? I gave him a B as well. I, I went back and forth between B- and B for a while. I ended up going with B because I rewatched the game. And on Deuce's uh, long touchdown run on fourth and two, which is something that we actually haven't really talked about at all, which goes to show the day that literally everybody else on the team had. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, which, A, like, great play call by Mess, and uh, also uh, um, Ben Adler on that play is someone that deserves a lot of praise. He's the reason that that was a touchdown, because uh, he sealed uh, the line really, really, really well on that play. He did exactly what he needed to and did not try to do too much and did not mess up what he was trying to do. He sealed in the defensive tackle. The linebacker crashed in. And he was able to just let Deuce do the rest because he said, I know because it, it was very similar to the Stanford run where it was like, it, it seemed like they knew if Deuce got to the second level, he was gone mm-hmm. on that play. Especially because TC had a very interesting alignment on that play where they kind of just left. Off tackle, gone. Yeah, they, like... they left the right side of the line open because they I believe they flipped the tight end uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning of that play, which it seems like they do it almost every single time. <laughs> and... They, they flipped the tight ends, and the defense really heavily shifted, even though Deuce was to Skyler's left, which indicates that he would be running right. and Or at least straight. Or, or at least straight. He's probably not going left. No. And then they just kind of didn't adjust for that, and 
then Deuce was gone, and Ben Adler deserves credit for that. But like you said, this was still not the greatest day. Revis uh, had a few head scratchers. BB uh, still had a good day for the most part. I was not nearly as harsh on him in the rewatch as I was during the game because he just looked a little better in the replay. And the hold that he was called for uh, on the replay did not really look like a hold. He pushed the guy into the ground, but the guy was tripping already. Like he fell and BB just kind of pushed him, which they call that a hold. And I'm, I'm not really keen on that call. Um, but BB did get straight up beat a couple of times, which was, uh, weird, very weird for BB. Uh, rare sight uh, to see Cooper BB get beat. But all in all, the offensive line still was solid, and they had their fair share of good plays. And then also we got to see a lot of backups today. We saw uh, a lot of Logan Long, a lot of Hadley Panzer, and then we got to see KT Leviston, we got to see Hayden Gillum, and we got to see Dawson uh, Delforge. Granted, those last three guys we saw for not nearly as much time as we saw the first two being Logan Long and Panzer. But it was nice to see some rotation, especially in that last drive. I don't know why. It was just kind of neat to see like the starter get rotated off like one by one. Yeah. So. <clears throat> now let's shift into defense. And let's start with the defensive line. I Listen. I, a plus. Just... I don't know. They didn't do. It's maybe a B minus. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe <laughs> they suck. I don't know. Yeah, like it was like even if you take out Felix or Felix does half of what he does, they're still probably getting an A. Yeah, like regardless, they still had a great day. Timmy Horn was very solid per usual. Uh, Eli Huggins had half a tackle for loss, and uh, Spencer Trussell was fine. Tyron Tolini, I remember, had some solid pressures. Uh, off the top of my head, Cartes Crook like, Jones. Cartes Crook Jones. Yeah, Tyron Tolini has really kind of come out of nowhere these like, last few weeks. Is he good? Like, Perhaps. Has he decided he's good? At minimum, he's strong, which I'll take that. Yeah, uh, for a 3 3 5, yeah, I'll take it. Cartes Crook Jones got snaps again, which, you know, it, I'm happy to finally see him get on the field. Because Cartes Crook Jones has been around here for a really long time and just kind of never done much, but he seems to finally be breaking the rotation a little bit. Pickle played a lot and was good. Boom Massey returned and was, again, very solid in his role of force, of run force. It was nice to have him back to just make the delete the run game in some sense. And then Matlick, I remember him having some solid pass rush moves. But, of course, the story is Felix and UDK. Like, it's A-plus from both of us. Felix had six sacks. He did this on his own <laughs> yeah basically so um so linebackers they were good all around i'd yeah. still like to see them get a bit more depth on like zone drops but that's really nitpicky like really really nitpicky so honestly they get an a minus from me yeah they get an a minus for me as well uh statistically uh they were great Especially Daniel Green. Daniel Green had arguably the best game of his career, uh, I would say. He had nine tackles, uh, two and a half of them for loss, and seven of those tackles were solo. He also recovered that fumble uh, that was forced by Felix Anudike on the strip sack. Not the forced fumble, it was a strip sack. <laughs> and uh, Fletcher, 
Uh, I believe he got banged up a little bit later in this game, but he had five tackles and was good in uh, the action he played. Eric Austin, Munoz got in. Eric Munoz got in. He played, and granted, we gave up uh, a little over one point per play that he was in because he had six snaps and we gave up seven points on that last drive. Which, granted, you could say the same thing for Keenan Gaskin, who was on for the same amount of snaps. So, I mean, we're picking on Eric Munoz a little bit. But, a little bit. That's uh, his tradition. That's yeah, his tradition. But Austin Moore also quietly had a really nice game. Uh, he had three tackles, two solo, and then he had a big TFL. I remember with Daniel Green, they paired up for a really big tackle for loss in the backfield, and it was really nice to see Austin Moore uh, just uh, quietly doing what he needs to and basically just writing. I, I'd say he's kind of writing the coattails of Daniel Green. Like When Daniel Green does something good, he's like, I'm going to run over there and also do that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is actually really smart. And Nick Allen was also uh, fine. He had, had a fumble recovery on the other strip sack. <laughs> and he had three tackles so I, I gave linebackers an A- minus as well I don't know if I already said that but yeah. um, they they were good I have no complaints about how they played really uh, but like you said they could play a little deeper uh, Munoz and Gaskin uh, the middle field coverage was not great on the last series it literally doesn't matter because <laughs> yeah, those are the third stringers on with like a minute to go yeah they got a garbage time touchdown uh, it's not going to save Gary Patterson's job. Who cares? So, so now defensive backs. This is honestly this is the best that the defensive backs have looked all year, in my opinion. They were excellent. They were amazing. Julius Brents playing tight coverage. Echo, uh, who apparently you know, Echo sucks. You know, that, that's, Echo's that's, so bad. Yeah, he's so bad. According to some people, you know, he's he's so bad. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. But <laughs> we're going to keep throwing that shot, and no one's going to know what we're talking about. There might be, like, two people that know what we're talking about that listen to this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on, uh, depends on things. <laughs> yeah, it depends on several things. But Echo had himself a great day, who apparently got a QB hurry somehow. Yeah, he, yeah he's listed on the K-State website as having a QB hurry. Uh, someone inform us as to when that happened because I have absolutely no memory of that in my mind. Uh, but good for Echo yeah. uh, developing his pass rush. <laughs> as we all know, that that's the focus of his game. Uh, Echo Boydo, pass rusher extraordinaire. Yeah, so definitely not coverage. Watch, he's yeah, bad at yeah, that. watch out, King Felix. Echo Boydo <laughs> is coming for your job. Yeah. Um, J Mac had a decent day I'd, I'd like him to get that pick but that's such a hard play to make that i don't hold it yeah. against him for not getting it yeah it's like him and russ on that play were equally as viable i would say j mac maybe a little bit more but russ was right there as well like we can talk a little bit about russ as, as well too mm-hmm. but <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but other than that even Ross Elder had himself a decent day. He really did. Ross Elder did have himself a nice day. We can he stop Ross... bullying the Ross boss now. Ross Elder has... I like the Ross boss. I like that. <laughs> but... Got the sauce boss and the Ross boss. Ross, he played admirably. He's been making good plays generally over the last few weeks. Uh, he has not been as big a liability as we're used to. He still has the occasional Ross Elder moment where he gets broken down in open field. That's just sometimes not he a, trips. Yeah, sometimes it's he trips. Okay. You know, that's not his skill set, uh, tackling in the open field. But he's 
he's good and he's solid in a few areas. He when he gets his hands on people, he's a pretty sure tackler. Uh, he has oddly enough decent pass coverage instincts. Uh, he's twitchy in pass coverage, but he's just slow. Yeah, he's just like really like slow. he reacts quickly. His brain just moves faster than his body. Yeah, like <laughs> which is the problem with a lot of walk-ons, and that's why they're walk-ons and not like four stars. So Ross Elder, he was admirable, but yeah. Honestly, the DBs overall get an A from me because I can't think of any plays where they did poorly, but I can think of a lot of plays where they did really well. Yeah, I went with an A-plus for this game, basically for the exact same reasons that you just listed. I just can't think of a negative play. The only one that it could have been was the Brent's play where they, I think they were about to call DPI on him, either that or OPI on Johnston. It was up in the air. The way the I think it was OPI, but the way the calls were going, it was going to be DPI. DPI, but then they picked it yeah. up. So, yeah, but Ross Elder he finishes with five tackles. Uh, uh, Russ Yeast he has two tackles and he's credited with two pass breakups. Uh, Julius Brents he is probably the man of the hour, and that he had two tackles, but he just absolutely locked up uh, Quinton Johnson. Why are you doing? I'm coming back to him, okay? <laughs> I'm coming back to him. <laughs> Julius Brands had two tackles. Uh, Echo Boydo was Echo. Uh, it was Echo Island, wherever he was. Uh, yeah. This is one of the few games where we're not going to commonly match him up on the number one receiver for TCU. Yeah, and because that would not have ended. Yeah. Well, and, I, okay, it wouldn't have ended poorly, but... Julius is just the better matchup for yeah. him. And, and that was exactly right. Uh, Johnston one of the best receivers in the Big 12, gets held to two catches for five yards, which that's probably never going to happen again for him. So... Yeah. And... <laughs> no, that, that correction, that is not going to happen for him again. Yeah. Justin Gardner, he returned from injury. He had one tackle and two pass breakups. TJ Smith, I didn't notice a lot of TJ today, but he didn't do anything poorly that I recall. He never got exposed or anything. Granted, they don't have a Charlie Kolar. Like, yeah, so. which, like, fair. Yeah. Sincere Mason, I remember him having a big hit, uh, a really big tackle for loss early in the game Mm -hmm. where they threw a swing pass, or it was either that or a jet sweep, and they... Actually, you know what? I think that might have been the play that Johnston lost yardage. It was like a sweep, but they tossed the ball. So it's technically... So it's it's a tap pass. And uh, he tries to get the edge, but... Doesn't. He doesn't, because I believe it was... It, it, one of the corners on that play uh, takes care of the receiver, pushes him back, and Sincere just goes back and just blows up Quentin Johnson for like a four-yard loss, five-yard loss, something like that. Yeah. And that was really nice to see from Sincere. Um, and then uh, Denson, he played as well and was didn't do anything notable just because he wasn't really thrown at mm-hmm. too much, as I recall. He didn't have any tackles. Then, of course, there's Reggie Stubblefield. Yeah, Reggie. And, yeah. Which, other than that really bad late hit on the quarterback, he was good. Yeah, he did. That was an awful late hit. But, you know, it's Reggie. I can forgive him. It didn't It didn't cost us anything. So, But he had two tackles. He had a big tackle for loss, I remember. There was one where Felix nearly got the TFL, but he just slipped out, but he slowed down enough to where Reggie was able to come up from, like, coverage to just yeah. absolutely explode. He got shot out of a cannon to take someone. It was, like, just a... Um, off tackle that turned into like a three or four yard loss <laughs> yeah the defensive backs were excellent um the coverage windows were t- they've been getting tighter 
over the last few weeks. Uh, there just aren't as wide windows uh, in the short game. It seems we're taking that away a little bit better. And then also the safeties. They haven't really been getting exposed as much. They're tackling better. I know I'm kind of going on for a while about this. The point is that there's a lot of good stuff to say. And I, after spending a few weeks really taking a dump. agony. Yeah, we kind of dumped on the defense for a few weeks there. So I want to take the opportunity to give them the credit that they deserve. Because every unit deserves a lot of credit for taking such a great offensive unit like TCU and limiting them. Granted, it was a unit that did not have Zach Evans, but Kendra Miller is an excellent running back yeah. for TCU, and he only had the one big play, and that was kind of out of nowhere and uncharacteristic for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. If you take that out, TCU goes under 100 rushing yards on the day and under 300 total yards on the day. Kendra Miller goes like 102 rushing yards to like 50. So, yeah, as a whole, the defense just top to bottom had their best day of the year yeah absolutely so now let's get into grading the coordinators let's let's just keep this nice and quick messingham gets a b plus because of a couple of head scratching decisions namely why are we in shotgun at the one yard line yep uh but other than that he had a pretty good day calling plays and i i still say that this is this is a different messingham like he's been replaced by someone like this is not the same person yeah, I pretty much copy paste what you said. I gave him a B plus as well. Uh, he would have gotten an A if not for like he said, if you had scratching decisions headlined by the decision to go uh, shotgun at our own one yard line when with Deuce instead of Jacardier. Yeah, that was a really strange choice, and it obviously didn't pay off. So I still don't get it, but. Other than that mess, he had a really good day. Uh, I liked that we didn't just lay down and die at the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, we called a shot uh, to Phillip and it paid off. And uh, we got points before halftime, which first time for everything. Uh, yeah. Mess, like as we've been saying for a while, the agenda is dead. It's been dead. Mess continues to just call good games. Like the the Bebe call up on the first play of the fourth quarter, excellent play call, and that was definitely, as I recall hearing, that was something that they had identified in film, and they're just waiting for the right time, the right look, and that's and they got what they wanted, and they just delivered. Mess has been proving himself as a good reader of defenses. It's just been getting. Uh, both coordinator and offense to work in conjunction mm-hmm. to get everything just get everything moving at the right pace and just get their minds lined up and things have really been clicking over the last uh, six quarters of football. Yeah. So. Klanderman, it Klanderman's, you know, he's a far cry from where he was against Iowa State. He's doing a lot better. In fact, in this game, he gets an A minus because what he was calling it worked. And there was a lot of situations where the Klanderman against Okie State or Oklahoma or Iowa State, his three worst games of the year, where he would just make the... There was, like, literally one call that he could make that definitively would not work, and he would just make that call. (laughs) Yeah, I gave him an A as well, uh, because it was just... It was clear that we identified something that would work 
we made sure to rotate Felix out a lot and that kept him fresh for the important pass rushing downs and we were able to keep him on the right on the correct side of the line uh, so he wasn't having to go up against Coker which is the right move and it resulted in a six sack performance for Felix uh the defense was energized. Uh, Stubby played really well. Daniel Green had an excellent day. He would have been, he would be player of the game if not for Felix. And um, like, unfortunately, Felix is yeah, Felix. Yeah, unfortunately, Felix exists. Um, and even then, like uh, Russ, uh, something I forgot to mention was the near pick that he had, uh, where the backup came in for TCU and he nearly picked him off in like his first or second pass attempt. It would have yeah. been unbelievable interception where he just kind of stuck his right hand up. And he nearly got it. Yeah. But players were just in the right spots at the right time, save for the one long run by TCU. And that was just an aberration, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, Klanderman, he gets an A from me. Like, I'm, I'm glad to see a return to form from the first few games. Yeah, because, like, admittedly, after Iowa State, there's nowhere he could have gone but up. Right. So, now let's get into MVPs. Look, this will take literally 45 seconds. It's Deuce and Felix. Uh, Felix tied the NCAA record. Don't care what the NCAA says. They're wrong. And Deuce was Deuce. Yeah, Deuce, he ends up with, I believe, 160 and some change. Uh, total yards. Uh, all-purpose yards, that is. And he had two touchdowns. Two touchdowns? Two, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Yeah, two rushing. Uh, the one where he flipped over. And then the uh, uh, the long the long run. Uh, Deuce was... Excellent. Uh, by far the best offensive player. Although we got a lot of contributions from other people. Daniel and Matt Bebe. Uh, Skyler had a good day. Um, Philip had the long reception. Honestly, probably should have been a touchdown. But it is what it is. Deuce was great. Then Felix was Felix. He, he has established himself as the best defensive end in the Big 12 right now. Yeah, and working his way up to be the best in the country. Yeah, he is two stars by the way. Yeah, two star only offer. Uh, he had only FCS offers. K State was his only FBS offer. So yeah, maybe, possibly, perhaps Kleiman can recruit sometimes. No, no, I'm, you're right. I'm wrong. So, <laughs> but I have no evidence to say you're wrong. But no. Um, now let's go into the takeaways. There's really only three. Every single group is growing. In fact, I think that. From last week's grades, every single group got a better grade than last week, except for Skyler, who only got one lower grade, which is remarkable improvement to see. Yeah, uh, same for me. Uh, I believe so, yeah. I'm looking, looking. Uh, the only person that goes down for me is Mess. Everybody else improved, other than receivers. Receivers went down by one, and Skyler went down by one. But it's not because they were bad. It's just because they did a little less. <laughs> so yeah. they, everybody's improving, like you said. So Yeah. And then the final two is Deuce is still Deuce, and Felix is goaded. <laughs> like... uh, Felix, a week ago, like we said, we were talking about him pushing for maybe breaking his way into – all-time K-State great status by the time his career is over. Uh, the conversation is officially beginning right now. Felix is... He's been excellent yeah. uh, the last two weeks. Uh, and he's been great all year. 
we we've known that like that's something that we've known but he now has 12 sacks in eight games of six in one game and then he had the safety last week uh, as well as another sack so in the last two games he has seven sacks by the correct count or <laughs> five i guess if you go by the ncaa's stupid Wrong, count stupid bad the, dumb the, yeah the idiot count <laughs> The smelly count. Yeah, the smelly count. If you go by that count, you're smelly and stupid. So, <laughs> go by the official Alleyville, Aggieville Alley Cats. Alleyville Aggie Cats. Alleyville Alley Cats. <laughs> Aggieville Alley Cats endorsed sack count for Felix and Yudike Uzama, which currently has him at seven in the last two games. So, and what does that put him at on the ear? Like 12? 12. 12. Yeah. Yeah. But that's really it. This is a great win for K-State. Now on to KU, who might actually be worse than TCU. <laughs> KU, uh, I mean, I don't want to get too into them too much because we'll we'll have the preview, but they just got absolutely smacked by Oklahoma State in every way, shape, and form. They didn't get a first half, or a first down until the second half, and... They. This is a far cry from the OU squad that they uh, were competitive with. Uh, I don't know what happened against OU. I don't know what happened against Iowa State. Actually, yeah. no, I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're a far cry from that. And yeah. oh, I thought you were talking about us. My bad. No, I was talking about uh, KU. I died. Excuse me. I mean, I, I mean, also that, but that wasn't what I was talking about in this moment. Yeah. Uh, just the squad from KU that uh, performed well against OU. I'm not sure where they went against Oklahoma State, but they went from a squad that, at the very least, was taking advantage of a lot of mistakes by OU to just they seemed absolutely lost against Oklahoma State. Like they just had no idea what they were doing. So uh, who knows what KU we're going to get this upcoming week. Although I, I will say I'm not worried about this KU squad of course there is always the slim chance that you know I'll eat crow and they may somehow win I don't believe that this is the year by any stretch of the imagination that that will be happening no but like technically I guess you never know (laughs) yeah but that's getting ahead of ourselves thank you all for listening to this edition of the Aggie Bow Alley Cats podcast if you want to talk to the show and communicate with us in any way, we are at Aggieville ACATS on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in CATS. If you want to reach out to us on our email, we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Balthasar, capital C and capital B. If you want to support the show in a financial sense, we are always looking for sponsors. Please? <laughs> <laughs> We're we're looking for sponsors, and if you want to follow, if you want to support us financially in a different way, please be sure to check out our merch store. We have such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards, as well as a Neon Alley Cats. Yep. But most important, oh, we're gonna add crewnecks soon. So soon. if you're one of the people that has been uh, wanting crewneck sweaters, those are coming soon. Very 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 soon. Yes, maybe even by the time this episode's out. Perhaps. Perhaps. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this edition of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you still love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.